Mental health check-in with Lee. Come on and check-in with me. Mental health check-in with Lee. Come on and check-in with me. Mental health check-in with Lee. Come on and check-in with me. Come on and check-in with me. Mental health check-in with Lee. Welcome, welcome to another episode of Mental Health Check-In with Leek. Today, I have a guest. His name is William Craig. Or should I call you Will Craig? Definitely prefer Will, but I mean, my whole life, even people get my name wrong and they, they'll just say, hi, Craig. Uh, <laughs> so it happens in emails all the time. If I had a dollar for every time someone called me Craig or William or something, I, I would be able to retire. I just didn't realize you got like two first two first names <laughs> well, i'll trip you out real quick i uh, my middle name is wade so william wade craig so i got three first names <laughs> wow that is definitely three first names um i was gonna say <laughs> thank you thank you for reaching out um to come on the podcast um to talk mental health um can you tell the people you know how you found out about this podcast yeah absolutely um so kind of my own research of looking for like-minded individuals in the podcast game uh, around mental health. So, I mean, through Spotify, which shout out Spotify for creating a great platform for people yes. from all walks of life to be able to put on there. I think that's super cool. Um, yeah, so in there, I was looking at mental health because um, for me, um, I've been kind of on my own mental health journey for the last oh, seven years, um, just with various things that have happened in my life. Uh, I even started blogging about it for years and kind of trying to share my story so that it might maybe encourage other people to be more open and honest about theirs. And uh, here recently, I just finished up my first book. So as I was doing that, I was kind of thinking, you know, who do I want to reach out to? How do I find people that are, again, like-minded of myself and we can, you know, help bring the conversation forward? Yes, yes, yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, my next question, well, let's get to this. This is usually my first question, but you know, since I heard that story, you know, which really touched my heart, I want to ask you. And the second question is, you know, I ask everybody this question when they come on the podcast, how is your mental health? You know, it's interesting because um, you even warned me ahead of time and I had to think about it. Um, you know, I'd say I'm, a, I'm pretty okay with my existence. I think it's the, the best way to put it. Um, always something to learn, always something to grow. Um, but through some work that I've done in therapy in the last year, um, I've really started to become truly at peace, but my own version of what peace can be. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, we, you and I talked about this the other day, you know, something that I struggled with recently was, you know, I got to a point where I had already been, again, on my mental journey, had some, some trials and tribulations but I kind of come out the other side. I had been starting to move forward. And then I'm my fiance and I moved across the country to Florida, lived near the beach. You know, we had all the things I, I, I was able to provide for myself. I was able to do all the things that I wanted to do. I have a lovely relationship. All the things are right. I was finally living in a place that I felt was more suited to who I am as a person uh, when it comes to, you know, beach life and, I mean, I'll play sand volleyball whenever I want and things like that. And, and in that time, that's when my brain decided, my mind decided it wanted to go into fight mode. 
because what I kind of uncovered in therapy was I crave chaos. And so I had to work, work on how to combat that. Yes, man. Um, thank you. Thank you for answering it. Um, I always like to ask that question because I feel like if the world, you know, people in the world, if they would ask that question, people would be more honest about their mental health. So thank you for answering that. Um, my next question for you is growing up, was it okay not to be okay for you? Um, you know, it's interesting. I think as a guy in America, you know, we're kind of taught, especially in the, I grew up in the Midwest, and we, you know, there's definitely this mindset of, and it's not, I don't want to put blame on any one person or thing. It's, it's more of an idea that it's like, no, you, I mean, figure it out, you know, toughen up, you know, bottle it all up inside. And I, and I, so I don't think like, you know, like my parents, like they wanted to know what was going on in my life and things like that. So I don't, again, I don't want to put blame on any one place, but I just think as a guy, you're just kind of, at least in America, you're, you're kind of conditioned early on to say, I'm not going to deal with that. Cause that's not real. That's not, that's not what I'm, what's going on in my head. I got to just focus on pushing through. And I think what we're starting to see is the ramifications of that mindset. You know, the highest rate of suicide growth in the United States is middle-aged men. And that's terrifying. And you have yeah. to start kind of wondering why, why is that the case? And so I think a lot of that starts with, you know, your childhood and being instilled in you early on to, to not deal with what's really going on in your mind. Yes, that's so, so, so good. I like to ask that question also because I feel like we all grow up differently. You know, we all have different, you know, backgrounds in growing up if it was okay not to be okay. You know, thank you for answering that question. That's my second best question to ask on my podcast. Um, <laughs> next question for you is, um, there's a stigma, right, surrounding mental health, right? But there's also a stigma surrounding men's mental health. What do you say to that stigma that says, you know, men, we can't cry, we can't be weak, we can't be sad, we have to man up and get over it. Like, what do you say to that stigma? I mean, for me, you know, I think we need to take the conversation a step further. Uh, and I'll explain what I mean by that. When we think about things in terms of, you know, toughen up and, and that kind of mindset and, and men, I think where a lot of that roots in is actually a fear. There's a lot of fear in a lot of guys that if I go there, if I start to really open up that can of worms of my emotions, my feelings, my, my what's going on in my, that tortured mind of mine, we're afraid of what we might find. You know, we always say it's, oh, it's because it's, it's not anyone else's problem. It's my problem. I got to deal with it. That's how, we, that's how we approach it. That's the surface level. But if you really dig deep, I think, at its core, most guys, it's not because, oh, it's not a guy thing to worry about feelings and emotions. That's not the real problem. It's like we're too afraid to try to conquer those things. We're too afraid to know what it means to explore your psyche in a meaningful way. And we're scared of what we're going to find. And because we're scared of what we're, and we always fear what you don't understand. And so what, you know, so I think we need to pull back that curtain and we just need to have more and more guys saying like, hey, it, I mean, it's scary, but that's part of the journey. And the more you embrace that together with other people and sharing that, the world gets a whole lot less scary when you got people around you. 
Yes, thank you, thank you. And my next question for you, right? You said, uh, you know, you know, we all been on this mental health journey, for, you know, years. And I want to ask you, in the past couple of years, what have you learned the most about your mental health? That's a great question. I'd say the biggest. I mean, kind of going off what I was just talking about. I think for me, that idea of not feeling alone is so so valuable. Um, I think about the worst parts of my life. And the hardest part of that journey was realizing that no one, no one was going to understand. I had this thought in my brain that no one's going to understand me. No one's going to get it. And if they, even if they could understand it, like I'm just going to cause more problems in their life. They're better off without me. They're better off with that, without my problems. But yet, if you flip that script around for a second, if someone reached out to you and said, Hey, I got, I'm, I got this going on in my life. I got this. Would you not be there for them? Of course you would. I mean, I like to believe I would. And so why would I not want to give the rest of the world the same courtesy that I give myself? And so once you realize that and realize that the people in your life aren't there because they have to be there in there because they want to be, it's an active choice. I don't care if it's your family. I don't care if it's your friends. I don't care if it's whoever. If someone is in your life, they chose to be there. They can, anyone, can, anyone can walk out anyone's life whenever they want. And if you're too much, if, you, if what you bring to the table is too much for somebody, then that's their opportunity to leave. But the ones, the real ones, they'll be there. And if you let them in on your thing, I promise the world gets a hell of a lot less scary. Yes, 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 yes. I love that. Thank you for that answer. My next question for you is what does mental health mean to you? What does that mean to you? When you think of mental health, what does that mean to you? Apologies, took way too big. Apologies, I took way too big of a cup of uh, swig of a cup of coffee. Um, can you ask the question one more time? I says, um, what does mental health mean to you? I think to me, mental health means beginning to ask the tough questions. It means taking a look in the mirror. I mean, when you think about like the self-help category, let's use that as an example. And there's a lot of books out there that'll say something along the lines of, here are your steps you take to do this. Here's Here's the path to enlightenment or happiness or whatever the goal is for that, that book. But to me, the mental health journey starts with simply just asking yourself the right questions. You know, so I'll, I'll use a personal example for me. I've had issues with anxiety since before I even knew what that word was. Uh, I, I've told the story quite a few times, but my parents literally used to have to sit me down when I was a small child and tell me when the plan for the day was going to change, when the routine was going to change, because they knew if they didn't, I was going to freak out. Now, I don't know if that means I was born with issues with anxiety or there's a genetic, I, I'm not a scientist. I'm never going to pretend that I am. But when you grow up with that mindset, it's becomes part of your identity. It becomes part of what makes you, you, and it goes into your decision-making goes to all those things. And so as I got older and those problems really came center stage in my day-to-day -day life, what I realized was I really needed to investigate 
what is the root of my anxiety? What is the root of my anxiety? My, my, the root of my anxiety for me is fear. Now, maybe that isn't the case for everybody else. But for me, fear of inadequacy, fear of doubt, fear of you know, feeling less than the people around me, feeling not worthy of the people around me, those were my biggest fears. And so when you really break down the core of any moment when I was having issues with anxiety or having a panic attack or something else, it all rooted back to that fear. And so when you start asking that question and start really getting down to the, the core of it, that's when you can start working on the healing. So for me with that example, what I started realizing was I got to lean in to my fear. I got to lean into my fear and realize that, you know, because in the moment, abstractly, you can come to me, you could say, well, Will, that's ridiculous. Like, how could you possibly let your brain go there? That's a, that's a ridiculous idea. You're not, you're not just because you made that one mistake at work. You're not going to be homeless. Just because you said the wrong thing to Alexis, my fiance, you know, that doesn't mean she's going to walk out of your life and you're going to be without love for the rest of your life. How can you possibly think that? And objectively right now, you and I can have that opinion and that's totally fair and valid. But in those moments, it feels very real. So you trying to tell me that it's ridiculous doesn't do anything for me. It doesn't solve that problem. So instead, what I had to learn was, all right, let's lean into that fear. Let's say you're right. Let's say that one mistake that I made at work, this is an example I use quite often, but let's say that one example of making a mistake at work happens. And now I'm my boss really is pissed at me and everyone's doubting me and I do go under review and I do lose my job, which is, is a ridiculous notion. We can accept that again, objectively. But in the moment, let's just lean into that for a second. What if it did? What would I actually do? And what I started realizing was like, I was like, okay, well, if I lost my job, like, well, I've bartended. I still bartend even right now, part-time. And I could go back to doing that while I figure out what my next move is going to be. And I can do this and, and you start building a plan. You start building actionable proof of, yo, I got this. I'm going to be all right. Like I, so forget the whole, that's a ridiculous thing to think about. Let's just lean into the fear and not let it have power over me anymore. And once you unmask that fear, anxiety doesn't bother me like that anymore. It still can. It's still, there's still moments. I still have periods of self-doubt i'm not going to sit there and pretend that i've healed myself for forever but i'll tell you what it has gotten a heck of a lot easier to when i start leaning into that fear and not letting it have power that's so good brother thank you thank you thank you and before i get to my next question i want to say anybody that's out there struggling with any thoughts of suicide or any suicide ideation there is a suicide prevention lifeline out there all you have to do is dial 988 988 is the number, guys. If you know anybody or if you're struggling, just make sure they call that number. And I want to ask you, um, in your mental health journey, have you ever dealt with any thoughts of suicide, any thoughts of not being here? Um, I, it's the first, you know, um, sexually abused by two of my male cousins, you know, when I was young. So, you know, it's childhood trauma, always been, you know, suicidal, um, still am to this day, you know. Um, um, I also, you know, lost my mom in 2019 to liver cancer, then lost my sister nine months later. 
So, you know, if that caused more suicidal stuff, you know, my grandma that raised me died in 2017. I mean, 2007. It's like so much trauma has happened to me. So, um, you know, guys, yes, I do my podcast. Yes, you know, I co-facilitate groups, but, you know, I still struggle, you know. And um, I just want to make sure you guys are dialing my eights or talking to somebody, whatever community looks like to you, you know, talk to someone. So the floor is yours, brothers. Of course. And, and first and foremost, I want to thank you for being willing to share that. Yeah. You know, I think, and I'll get to, you know, my perspective on suicide in a moment, but I think suicide has become still to this day such a taboo topic because the end result is someone dying at their, hand, at their own hands. Like, right. So because of that, people, that's not, I think mental health has come a long way. It still has a long way to go, but it's come a long way. But that's still an area where people aren't ready to have that conversation yet. And I imagine that a lot of it has to do with the fact that people are scared to realize how many people in their lives have considered the notion that the world is better without them. Because we always talk about suicide in the sense of people who attempt or things like that, but it's not that black and white. It's not that simple. I mean, you know, maybe you didn't make the attempt at suicide, but have you thought about it? Have you considered the idea? Has it crossed your mind that that's a viable option? Has it gotten you to a point where maybe you take things more seriously? And, and so in my own personal journey, in 2015, I, I was in a pretty dark place in my life. I was miserable at my job. I was in a long distance relationship that, you know, was really not going well and I could feel it. And we ultimately we ended and, and she's a wonderful person. She truly uh, meant the world to me and, and I still care. But at the end of the day, I was just so lost and, and she deserved better, frankly, than what I was offering to the world. And I knew that. And I, I felt like such a fraud, such a, I just felt horrible about everything in my own life and spiraled into a bit of depression. And then that's when the thoughts of suicide crept in where I didn't make any active attempts, but I acted with reckless abandon for everything that I was doing. Uh, you know, not being afraid. <laughs> I remember one time I like, took the long way around walking across a walking bridge, hanging on the edge of the side of it because there was a fence up, which is a reckless thing to do. But I did it because I didn't care if I died. I didn't care if I didn't make it out. I would watch TV shows and think, oh, well, it doesn't really matter if I watch this because I won't be allowed to see the next season. Like that's how it was for me because that became a viable option in my brain. And so um, while I've never made a true attempt it's one of those things for me where I don't, I don't think that I ever was afraid to die. And that's kind of a scary notion. Thank you. Thank you. Um, anybody that's listening, you know, to my story that what I share, what will share, you know, um, if you're struggling, you know, by yourself, alone you know you don't have to struggle alone you know there is a suicide prevention lifeline out there you could dial 988 guys make sure you guys dial 988 to get some help you know um suicide rate is so high you know especially in men so um 
guys, women, children who's listening, please dial guy get some help. Um, I know this lady who she always says it's better to have a mad friend than a dead friend. And I never got what she said that, but yeah, it was like she was basically saying like, you know, when you call prevention, you know, like crisis on people and stuff like that, and they get mad at you. Because you know, we have some people that if you call on them, they will get mad. But you know, she was saying it's better to have a mad friend than a dear friend. Never got yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. And I get that, um, and I do, and I really do appreciate and understand that. Because yeah, at the end of the day, if you don't have any better option, like then I would recommend you know calling it. It's better safe than sorry. To your point, uh, what I will say though is what I'd like to see happen in the conversation around suicide is more people just sharing that they're that they've experienced that line of thinking. And I think what will happen as a side effect of that is as more people share among their circles, their friends and stuff, we can get to the conversation sooner before it gets to that crisis mode because we've made it less taboo. It's like, I, I, I compare it a lot to, and this is a weird analogy, but follow me for a second. I compare it a lot to like alcohol consumption when it comes to, you know, in America, you the legal drinking age is 21. And so we got all these kids who we made this like, ooh, taboo thing, drink, oh no. And so of course they eventually get to that, you know, they go away to college or they get to be finally on their own for once. And they got, even if they're underage and they got a friend who brings some stuff and then they overindulge, they overdo it. Cause we made this so taboo for so long in their youth that they never grew up around it, that they never got to dive into it, that it, we didn't talk about it, we didn't build it up. And of course, what's gonna happen? People who are poorly planned, poorly prepared, and awful things happen in that situation. But the more we bring a community together and make it less taboo, less of a thing that's, oh, we put that over here because you're not ready for that the more we make it a norm to be a part of our daily discussion, the more we are, I wouldn't say desensitized, we just become more aware of it, more conscious of it, and we can make more conscious decisions around those things. And again, you invite people, so bringing it back to suicide, if you share with your children, perhaps, that you've had those moments in your life when, they, when you know that they're struggling, whether they've said it out loud or not, you unconsciously invite them to be more open with you. And maybe you don't have children, maybe you have nieces and nephews, or maybe you just have people in your life, but you know they're struggling and they could benefit from knowing that they're not the only one who's had that thought. So I just think, as I 100% agree with your friend's point that you know I'd rather have a mad friend than a dead friend, I, I'm with that. But what I would love to see is us be having the conversation before it gets to that serious place. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, my next question for you is, um, what are some good coping skills you could recommend to someone that's struggling with their mental health? And ladies and gentlemen and kids that's listening, um, you know, what my coping skills is, and what Will's coping skills are, may not work for you. I just want to put that out there. You know, everybody has different coping skills. I just want Will to share his coping skills because it may help somebody. <laughs> 100%. Could not agree with him about that. I said something like, what works for me doesn't necessarily work for anybody else. Uh, you know, I, I talk about this a lot with some friends, like therapy can look a lot of different ways. I mean, obviously there's the traditional talk therapy. And if you have that available to you, 
then I 100% am an advocate for that. Having said that, like, whether it's time, money, insurance resources, whatever the case, maybe there's just not someone available in your area. You know, there, you know, there's so many different roadblocks that can prevent that. So then you have to define what therapy looks like for you. For me, it started with writing. Writing became my outlet to get all the the junk out of me. And it was actually a suggestion from a therapist. I had been writing my whole life. I was a kid, as a kid, you know, that's probably the outside of a basketball court, probably the thing you could find me doing the most was writing. And um, when I was in therapy, the first go around after uh, my girlfriend at the time died, I was just angry and mad, but I felt like I couldn't let that anger out in the world. I didn't feel right to do that, but it was just eating away at me. And so what my therapist encouraged me to do was write letters to everything that I was feeling, whether it was to the idea of death, to, you know, I'm not a religious person, but I wrote a letter to God. I was like, if you if you do exist out there, like I got fucking questions. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so you start getting all of that out. It's a safe place. And, and I've kind of even evolved that now. Um, something that I tell a lot of friends too is like, there is power in just giving voice to whatever's going on in your mind. Uh, so for instance, now with um, my fiance, Alexis, one of the things I'll do with her, like something will be happening at work and stressing me out. And I'm like, I'm going to come in your office. I need two minutes to just get out all this stuff. None of this has anything to do with you, but I need to, I need to get this out right now. <laughs> and once I do, and I give voice to it with someone who loves me and cares about me and stuff, that by itself is just such a relief. It's just such a great feeling of like, oh, all right, cool. I can go back to this now. And I can come back to this anger later, but I didn't let it sit here and fester away at me. I gave it a voice. I gave it an audience. I'm not alone in this anymore. I'm gonna go back to my life. But when, I, when we come back, now I can come with it at a more rational pace and I can let that, because I think a lot of people look at the evolution of mental health is your goal is to be like this Zen out master of the universe, like nothing ever trips me up. Nothing ever, that's not a reality, my friends. I'm sorry, it's just not. Like I, no matter how evolved I might think I am in moments, I still get angry. I still get sad. I still get dark. I still get all of these things. Your journey in mental health doesn't mean that it's the end of the story. You just have to learn how to evolve around it and health and find a healthy means of coping with it. So- that's, that's the goal here. So, and so to answer your question, simply find whatever that is for you, find your own therapy that helps you give voice to it or take the power away from it and take ownership of it so you can move forward. Yes, 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 yes. Like I said, guys, every coping skill looks different, you know? Um, our next question for you, and then we'll try to wrap it up is, um, what do you tell someone that's struggling why it's important to put their mental health first? You know, a lot of us, you know, we put others first, you know. Tell somebody that's struggling why is it important that they must, that we must, as men, as, you know, people put our mental health first. Because you can't, you can't pour from an empty glass. 
That's like an old adage, but it's so true though. You cannot pour from an empty glass. And if you don't take care of yourself, you won't, it will come a time, maybe not now, maybe not later, but eventually you will cross a path where you no longer have anything else to give. So if you get fulfillment out of helping other people, eventually that will get taken away from you and that will hurt your mental health that much worse because you're not even able to help anybody because you never helped yourself. Wow, that is true. That is true. The first thing that you said, everybody uses that line. I love that line. I feel like that line is never going to get old. Thank you for it's saying. never going to get old. Yes, it's never. a cliche for a reason because it works. Yes. <laughs> so I'd like to end this off by saying, um, by asking, like, what do you have going on? What's next for Will? Like, I already know. But, like, let the people know. If you can, you know, what's going What's next for you? What you got going on? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, as Lee knows, uh, I have a book coming out. Uh, it's coming out tentatively June 2nd. It's called One Step Forward. Uh, Ideally in the Right Direction is the subtitle. <laughs> um, and, in that, and in that book, I kind of talk about all the things we kind of talked about today. Thoughts of suicide. How do we deal with anxiety? And I want to make something abundantly clear. One, I am not an expert. I never have been, never will be. I'm just talking about my own journey from my own perspective. But with that, what I hope happens is if it resonates with you, fantastic. You know, you're not alone in that fear. But even if it doesn't resonate with you, perhaps it gets you thinking about some of the things in your life. Because I think that's the, the real direction self-help needs to go is giving people the tools to evaluate things in their own way and ask themselves the right questions so they can start the journey moving one step forward. Yes, yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'll make sure you guys follow Will. Um, you want to say your Instagram name? If you know, not you know. For that book, for when that book come out, make sure we support, 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 support. Yes, absolutely, and I appreciate. And same with this, you know. Anybody, you know, I'm open with the conversations like Leek and anybody else. But I, you know, my biggest thing is like this conversation has to keep happening. So uh, I'm open to anything. If it's guest spotting on a podcast, if it's your yeah. YouTube channel, uh, you know, and even if it's not me joining, I want to support it. So just tell me about it. And I'm happy to help drive that conversation forward, whatever I can do to help. That's what I want to do. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Will, Will Craig, thank you for um, so coming Thank on you for having me. No, no, no. It just, it meant a lot. Like when you hit me up, like I told Will guys, I was like, I usually don't answer. Like I think people are spam. So I usually don't answer like the, what it says, the request messages on Instagram. So I looked at it. He was like, hey, heard your, you know, found your podcast. And I was like real intrigued at how he found it. So um, he explained it to me. I was like, damn, like that's dope that, you know, he found the podcast. And he, like, I, first I looked to see if we had any mutual friends in common or just he listened to one of the episodes that maybe he might follow somebody, <laughs> but he didn't follow nobody. So thank you for, you know, giving my podcast a chance. And thank you for, you know, wanting to come on when I asked you, like, hey, let's come on. You was like, damn, you know, thank you, you know, for um, saying yes. Thank you. No, thank you for having me. I mean, this is this is what, I'm, what I do this for. Uh, I do this because I care. So I, I, I don't look at it like a, as an expertise. I look at it as a, someone who cares enough to try. Thank you, Will. Thank you so much. Thank you, Lee. Have a good day.